So let's turn in God's word to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. What then? Are we Jews any better off? We'll start, we'll start in, chapter, in verse 9, just because, because we can. Uh, what then? Are we Jews better off then? Not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin, as it is written. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave, they use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Uh, Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Uh, In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now uh, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. So that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, your life-giving word, your inspired and perfect word. Father, you perfect us by your word. You sanctify us by your word. Your word is truth. Father, we pray that you would conform us ever more perfectly to the image of Christ in our love for Christ and our service and glory of Christ. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In the fourth century, Augustine of Hippo wrote, Peace is a good so great that even in this earthly and mortal life there is no word we hear with such pleasure. Nothing we desire with such zest or find to be more thoroughly gratifying. Peace. Peace in the home makes it home sweet home. Friendship is peace when you have a friend that is someone with whom you have peace and trust. Government provides peace The peace in which we do all things. We can come and go. We can buy and sell. We can live in our homes. We can can do all the things we do because government is providing, if it is providing, peace in which to do these things. Peace is sweet. And yet today, there is precious little peace among us. There's just more and more, it seems, to divide us and to set us against each other. Some of the marvelous technologies of the last 100 years for which we are grateful and which much improve our lives, uh, nonetheless have set us against each other, isolated us from each other. The automobile, for example. Because we have cars, we travel to work more and more. Almost all of us travel to work, which means that we live in bedroom communities of people who don't know each other. We travel to shop, to malls, to strip malls, to big box stores, 
where we are anonymous and where the shopkeepers, the people who attend us, we don't know, certainly not by name. Air conditioning, we'll come to appreciate that more and more. And television, when these things started, as, as we, more and more people used air conditioning and watched the television, they moved from their porches into their living rooms. And they know their neighbors less and less. And they don't go out to, you know, the, the, the hall, to, the, to dance, to, to do things. So they stay in and they watch television in their air-conditioned homes. And so community breaks down. And people see each other. Uh, as nameless abstractions. When you go into the store, it's not, you know, Jen who lives over here and works in the store. It's, it's a nameless person. It's just a, a barista. It's a checkout person, uh, abstracted. Uh, we don't see neighbors. We don't know where they live. And the Internet, of course. The Internet uh, has tribalized knowledge and tribalized all of us as a result. So, so it's one time you would, you would get your, your knowledge from the newspaper of what's going on, and everyone read the same newspapers, more or less, maybe there's two or three of them. Uh, but now, uh, you, these people get their news from Truth Social. These people get their no, news from Twitter or certain circle of Twitter accounts. These people from Fox News, these people from uh, MSNBC, and they have different views of the world. And it separates us. But our fractured society is not just from technology and prosperity and the things uh, related developments. As the gospel influence has receded among us, the way of strife has been advancing. Uh, a kind of Manichaeanism has set in. Uh, good is over here, Evil is over there, and we are good, and they must be destroyed. That is Manichaeanism, a sharp division between good and evil among us. And of course, one is good. And as opposed to good and evil are real and distinct, but two sides of a line that runs through every human heart, uh, that view produces humility, encourages humility, uh, encourages us to look at people with whom we disagree, or people who are just objectively wrong and, and, and objectively bad, and say, there but for the grace of God go I. It's a view more conducive to peace. In a post-Christian Manichaean world, you see hunting through people's Twitter feeds for grounds to condemn and destroy them mercilessly. In a post-Christian Manichaean world, you see savaging people on social media in a way you would never see them do face to face. You see reducing people to a few of their opinions and denouncing them as deplorable. And that hostility is even turning against the gospel itself. A 2020 Democratic presidential contender said that Christian colleges, charities, and churches that don't support same-sex marriage, etc., should be stripped of their tax-exempt status for denying human rights. 
and none of the other candidates in the debate disagreed with that or condemned it or distanced themselves from it. In February 2022, just last year, a British hospital fired a Christian doctor, uh, in an emergency room doctor, for refusing to call a man a woman. The court said that objecting to transgenderism because God made people male and female is, quote, incompatible with human dignity and conflicts with the rights of others, close quote. Uh, this man's faith, they added, is, quote, not worthy of respect in a democratic society. So division, shattering, um, the way of strife. More and more we are set against each other. Whenever you have sinful people, roommates, a family, a workplace, a country, you have conflicts. Sin generates conflict. This is fundamental. Sin, and note this, brothers and sisters, sin is a disintegrating force. It's a disintegrating force. It shatters, it separates, it dissolves, it divides, it destroys, it unravels the creation. Right? God made the creation, he made it good, he made a harmony to it, an order to it, and sin entered in through the fall and shattered and separated. Sin sows distrust. It sets us at war with each other. What do we see in John 10? Jesus says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. When you find yourself having a hand in division and shattering, and you look and say, oh dear, the effect of what I'm doing is shattering and dividing, then repent because there's sin in it and it's coming through you. There's a cause for self-examination. You're doing the devil's work. Uh, you have departed from what we're told here is the way of peace. And so the Bible distinguishes two ways for, for people, the narrow way and the broad way, the way of death and the way of life, the wicked and the blessed. We see that right there at the beginning of the book of Psalms. There's the wicked and there's the blessed. The one, the way of peace. The one, the way of division and shattering and, and, and strife. And so here in Romans 3, Paul sets two lives in contrast. Their throat is an open grave, he says. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery. The consistent Christian life, on the other hand, is the way of peace, which, he says, they have not known. He describes the godless, the way uh, the people before the flood, uh, when, when violence covered the face of the earth, the way they were described, uh, when God had withdrawn himself from people. Uh, these are people in need of redemption, utterly enslaved to sin. They're guilty in sin and helpless under its power. He describes a world in where, where the fear of God is despised and the way of, uh, of peace is forsaken. Uh, verse 13a, notice death. 
their throat is an open grave. Uh, 13b, the second half of 13, deceit. They use their their tongues to deceive. And then in verse 14, malice. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. And verse 15, murder. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And verse 16, destruction and misery. Rivalry, strife, and mortal combat. This is the opposite of the way of peace, uh, the way of those who fear God. And notice the focus on words. Our words, brothers and sisters, should be life and healing and grace. Jesus is the word of life, the word of life. And in his name, we speak the truth in, of lo- the, speak the truth in love, uh, as opposed to uh, the way of Satan. De- the, the Satan is the, the devil is the father of lies. The devil is the father of lies. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You see the difference. Uh, if you're tempted to pad your resume uh, or present yourself boastfully, which is a kind of lie, uh, or, or, or deceive in any way, it should just, it's just come right up to you, right into your head. The devil is the father of lies. And you should shudder and, and, and recoil from this, this course you are considering. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we're called to walk in the truth. And the truth unites and lies uh, divide. The way of peace. The way of peace, though, is easy among friends, right? Because friends love us. And friends Friends, we're at peace with friends. And so peace with friends is easy. You can even say edgy things with, with <laughs> friends. For example, I was with a friend on faculty, right? And uh, he, he married a, a, an alumna of the King's College. For, who, who, I did her, her senior thesis like in 2007, 2006, and, and they got married. And I saw her recently. I don't often see her. And I told him, I said, I said, she looks just the way I remember her 15 years ago, right? You, on the other hand, right? <laughs> and I can do this because we're friends, right? I can say this and there's no strain in the relationship because we're friends, right? Uh, so the way of peace is easy with friends and, and among the friendly, uh, but even among friends, people of like mind, we know this too. The way of peace can be hard. The church custodian uh, cleaning up after the service, and he found a bulletin on which uh, some, some uh, off-the-cuff poetry had been scrawled. And he read, to dwell above with saints in love, ah, that will be glory. But to dwell below with saints I know, now that's a different story. Well, <laughs> and you know you're part of the problem, right? It's characteristic of God to make peace, and it's of the devil to kill and steal and destroy. God made the world. When he, God made the world, he made it good. Uh, where there was chaos, he put the harmony of order, separating things, first day, second day, putting everything in order, third, fourth, sixth day, everything in order, the peace of order. When things are in order, they're in peace. When relationships are in order, they're in peace. 
when your home is in order, when your body is in order, your pancreas is doing what your pancreas should do, whatever that is, your lungs are doing what your lungs are doing, your brain is doing what your brain is doing, your body is at peace. And God's creation was at peace. But sin entered the world. Sin put enmity between Adam and Eve where there should have been peace. And he drove, it was sin that drove Cain to slay Abel. Talk about peace. And, uh, and he killed Abel because he couldn't get his hands on God. If he could have killed God, he would have killed God too. God who was not satisfied with his sacrifice. But the spiritual children of Cain killed God's son on the cross. Though he never thought anything, never did anything, never felt anything that was not love. Still, they killed him because of the enmity and, and, and strife of sin. Now the risen son is reconciling all things to himself and bringing peace to the whole of his creation. But peace is not just something that God gives. John 14, peace I live with, leave with you, my peace I give you. It's also something that you make. We are told to seek peace. That's in the imperative. You seek peace, do it. Insofar as it lies with you, Romans 12, insofar as it lies with you, live at peace with all men. Okay? Now, sometimes it doesn't lie with us. Sometimes it's out of our hands. Despite our peacemaking, people make dispeace with us. But insofar as it lies with you, live at peace with all men. Not just all believers, all men. Yeah. Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. When you see a phrase like sons of God uh, in the Bible, that, that's a he, or sons of, that's a, a Hebraic way of saying people who are characterized by that thing. Uh, like the sons of thunder, thunderous people. Uh, and, uh, but so the sons of God, it's a Hebraic way of saying godly. So godliness and peacemaking are inseparable. If you are a son of God, you are a peacemaker. It's characteristic of them. Uh, the Christian life is the way of peace. It is a habit of life. Uh, with people who don't love you, people who don't love you at work, who don't love you on the train, who don't love you on the road, it's a habit of peace with them. But also the people who should love you, but fail to do so in the home. And in the church, uh, you can't control what these other people are doing, but you can control your response to it. And that response should be one of peacemaking, Jesus says. Uh, this is where the way of peace takes work, where it generally doesn't with friends. Uh, people who love us. People who love us perfectly. Uh, no, it takes work. The self-discipline of controlling your thoughts controlling your tongue, the self-discipline of keeping your passions and your impulses in order. It helps to remember in doing this that there is a train of thought that leads to strife. And you know when that train of thought is leaving the station, you can see it going and you're jumping on board and you should know that you're 
old enough and mature enough to know this is a train of thought that leads to strife, <laughs> and I'm getting off. The tongue, you know, sets the whole course of life on, on fire. And, and so you know from experience, bitter experience, that this does not need to be said. This will lead to trouble. This is not the way of peace. This will be, oh, this will feel so good, but it's bad. And you know that the heart is desperately wicked and prone to self-justification and war. You must resolve to choose, consciously choose the way of peace. The way of strife is easy. It's just following impulses, right? Those sinful impulses that are still in there. It's easy, and it's self-flattering. Oh, you may be so angry at this person, with this person, how this person has dishonored you, how this person has, has, has been wrong, and you know that you're right, and, and it will feel so good to let this fly, and put this person, you will feel righteous, but it's self-deceiving. You know, if you don't know ahead, you should know ahead of time, you will certainly know afterwards that you were deceived by these feelings, which are deceptive and seductive. So we're commanded in Ephesians chapter 4, again the imperative, maintain the, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You who have the same Spirit of God, maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How do you make peace? Well, here are some growth steps. Growth steps along the way. First of all, humility. This does, humility does not mean being passive and unaggressive, having as, as you may have heard somebody say, well, humility, Christian humility is not, is not being lowly. It's, it's having a sober view of yourself. I'm not buying it, okay? It's too easy to think, oh, I have a sober view of myself, and soberly, I'm the best guy on the block, and, and I act that way. No, no. Uh, it's just a Bible way of saying, consider others better than yourself. That's the Bible speaking. Consider others better than yourself. If you live that way and view others that way, it conduces to humility. Yeah. And considering others better than yourself, that's called love. That's how you love people. You subordinate yourself to other people, serving their good. Love trains you to be humble. And humility inclines you toward love. And so in humility, thus gentleness. If you're humble with people, considering others better than yourself, you'll be gentle with them. The opposite is harshness. Harshness has no concern for the other's good. That's what makes it harsh. It's unloving. It expresses anger that the other person is not living up to your ideal. It's expressing anger. It's an expression of anger that this person is not someone else. Gentleman, gentleness, acts for the person's correction and growth. With loving attention to who he or she is, is now and can be in the future. I've seen this as a professor. You get a student... 
Oh my word, the student is, is annoying me. The student has, has, has violated X, Y, and Z, and the student is kind of saucy and arrogant, freshman. And, and you just want to read the law. I'm up here, I'm a professor, and you're a freshman. And, but you don't get there because you think, the poor thing. The poor thing is a freshman. So we're going we're gonna to take this one step at a time, right? And you, you see where the person is, where I've been myself, and where the person needs to go, maybe just the next step or two, how can I get this person from here to there, insofar as it lies with me? And gentleness, right? And thus patience. Three, patience. Suffering other people's learning curves. Suffering other people's sanctification time. We're all on a learning curve. We're all on a sanctification timeline. And only God knows that timeline. You don't know it. The person himself or herself doesn't know it. But God knows it. But you know it's there. And so you work with that person's curve timeline. You, show this, you should show the same patience with others that God is showing them. Clearly God is showing this person patience. I think you and I can do the same thing, keeping this in mind. So Ephesians chapter 4, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God forgave you. And throughout all this, bearing with one another in love. I've mentioned love two or three times, bearing with one another in love. Remember, people are valuable. People are precious. Even the annoying ones. Even the ones who shouldn't be where you think they should be. And then this is just something like one of those post-it notes in your head. You should have, as I have in my head, David, people are precious. David, people are valuable. And I need to have that running all the time because they need reminding all the time. And this helps you bear with one another in love. Bearing with one another is Christ living in you. It's the way of peace. But you can only, you can make peace only because God has made peace in you through Christ. The gospel frees us from the power of sin that puts people at war with one another. Otherwise, we'd be eating, if God completely withdrew, we'd be eating each other. But he doesn't. He gives his common grace to give a modicum of peace in the world and then his saving grace to you to conform you to the image of Christ, to make Christ live in you and your life in Christ. The fruit of the gospel, brothers and sisters, is peace. Peace with God and peace with one another. The gospel was announced, wasn't it, as peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Christ, the gospel himself, is the prince of peace, the master of peace, the ruler of of peace, who brings peace. In, again to the news. In 2018, a Dallas police officer 
with three years' experience on the force, entered her apartment. She saw a black man. This was relevant and came out in the trial. She saw this man in her apartment, and she shot him dead. Except it wasn't her apartment. It was his apartment. She had got off on the wrong floor, and his door was open, and she thought it was hers, and she went in, and she didn't run away. Well, they went through all that. And so she was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Only 10 years, but 10 years. But this man's name was Botham Jean. His brother's name was Brant Jean. He was 18 years old. And at, at the, just before, just after sentencing, uh, Brant Jean addressed the court and he forgave. You may know the story. He forgave her. And he pointed, he said, my brother Botham would want you to know Jesus. And he pointed her to Jesus. And with the judge's permission, he went down and he hugged her. And the judge herself, when this was done, went into her chambers and came out with her personal Bible. And she pressed it into the condemned's hands and encouraged her to read it and to know the Jesus whom it, uh, to whom it testified. And many of the media outlets skipped the Jesus part as irrelevant. But you can't understand the hug without the Jesus part. You can't understand the forgiveness, uh, the reconciliation, the love for the slayer, apart from Jesus, who is the way of peace. Atheist groups called foul over the Bible part, the judge giving her the Bible there in the court. Not on her own time, but there in the court. Uh, these people want peace, but not the God of peace, without whom there is no peace. You have peace because of Christ. In the great coming kingdom, there will be no conflict because there will be no sin to generate conflict. The lion will lie down with the lamb, and no one will hurt or destroy in all God's holy mountain, which will fill the earth. But here in this world, brothers and sisters, God gives us grace. He gives us grace to seek peace, grace to make peace, and grace to share the peace that you have. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we can address you only because you have removed the enmity, removed the warfare that separated us from you. But you made peace where there was no peace, through the Prince of Peace, through his death on the cross, where he propitiated your wrath. He satisfied all your charges, all your, your judgments against us and made peace and put peace in our hearts, gave us new hearts 
Where there was a heart of stone, he put a heart of flesh. Where there was self-love, he gave love for you and thus peace with you and with one another. Father, we, we know that we are not perfect in that because we do not yet see you face to face on that glorious morning. Father, we pray that we would grow in the way of peace, grow in our love for Christ, the Prince of Peace, grow in our inclination and impulse to make peace and not strife. And Father, only you can do this, uh, but you will do what you have started. You will finish what you have started and, and perfect uh, what you have initiated. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.